one of the first things you got to do is not beat yourself up for where you're at. We're not talking about future state. We're not talking about past state. Don't beat yourself up for where you're at. Because here's the cool thing. You are exactly where you need to be right now. Because that means you're stepping into, if you're willing, you're stepping in where you need to be in the future. But right now, you're exactly where you need to be to discover what's next for your future. Hey, it's Zach here. And super quick before we dive into the show, if you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. I'm here today with Dan Davis, who is an award-winning documentary filmmaker with over 250 films worldwide. That's quite the number. Uh, very impressive, especially for somebody of your age. If anybody's thinking 250, how old is this guy? Still pretty young and spry. Um, you, sir, are the founder and CEO of Sturry, which is Stories That Stir. You're also a husband. You're a father of four, which blows my mind because two is barely enough for me to even be able to manage to survive. So might have to talk a little bit about how you balance all of those things. And you're also a writer of the book, This Is My Story. So Dan Davis, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to jump in on our conversation. Yeah, I'm excited as well. And uh, the here's the the big reveal right away is that this is actually the 21st century version of you've been served. Because after reading all of the work that you've done, I'm going to have to sue you for plagiarism because our ideas are so similar. And essentially, even the one of the messages I got from uh, Debbie, my podcast producer, was Dan stole your book. <laughs> and I looked at him like, yep. Dan stole my book, all right, because I had to, had an idea, and it doesn't mean that I wouldn't still continue to flesh it out, but all about the importance of creating memorable moments in your life. And mm. you talk all about this idea of identifying what are the perspective moments in my life and how can I construct a story around those. So you've been served, my friend. Um, yeah. 
all kidding aside, uh, there's so much overlap in the work that you do and the work that I do and how we serve people. And I'm doing it more from an educational perspective. You're doing it more from, you know, a filmmaking and a production and a storytelling perspective to help people better tell their stories. And that's the purpose of today's conversation for me is I want those that are trying to figure out what is the next direction? What are the next major stages in my life? How do I construct a story around it? So there's actually meaning and there's purpose. And more importantly, I can surround myself with other people who are drawn to that story that have similar stories. Um, and you, sir, from the work that you do, you're the guy to talk to. Um, I got to say that this is probably the most exhaustive prep experience getting ready for a podcast where it was so emotional. By the time I got ready to connect, I'm like, I'm already exhausted. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. Like, I mean, the, the, the pieces that you did just completely slayed me. So um Aside from, you know, entrepreneurship and everything you've accomplished, just as a filmmaker, you're very, very good at what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Um, so the, the place that I want to get started in helping people to better structure their stories and better tell their stories is I just want to get to know a little bit more about your story, because I find that the, the value of the messenger is usually just as or usually more important than the actual message. And I think that your story and how it factors into helping other people tell theirs is so important. So let's just start with what's the Dan Davis story? Oh my gosh. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of emotion. It's pretty heavy. It's been an emotional roller coaster the last few years, especially. Um, I've had a significant health, uh, issues. Uh, I had a opportunity that, that many people with, uh, these rare syndromes that I have, um, sometimes don't get. And my life was preserved this last year. Um, and, um, that's a big story in and of itself we can dive into. And I'm totally yes, please. about that let's, well. let's dive into but, it. I, I love human interest and inspirational stories. So I think, I think you've identified this is the place to start. So yes, tell me more. Yeah. I mean, really my, that part of my story is so interconnected with, um, with story, what I'm doing here. And, uh, honestly, I would have never had that life preserving surgery or figured out what these rare syndromes were that, that really could have killed me. Um, I wouldn't have known what they were unless I started stirring. And so when you connect the dots between all these perspective moments I've had over the course of my career and course of my life, you realize that, um, you know, first of all, I believe there's somebody else that's in control and, and helping us along in this journey. And then the second thing is, is when you, when you work off of inspiration, things tend to work out. And this was a situation where, it worked out for me and I'm still here for my four kids. I'm still here for my spouse and my employees and, and all of that. And, and really it, it's kind of cool because over the last year, I've like traced it back to see all of those perspective moments that happened in the timeline of my story. And I'm like, wow. And then I do it again and I'm like, Whoa, wow. You know, and there's just one after another. It's like, I, I can't believe how all connected this, this journey and this experience is. Um, to get us to this point where sometimes we think it's random or inconsequential or um, we get lucky. And uh, there's there's too much in my story the last few years that have has really just told me that this is a testament to, you know, there's, there's no such thing as luck. Um, mm -hmm. It's all pretty connected. And if you're living with purpose and living on inspiration and doing the right thing, um, things tend to work out, even if it's not according to plan, which most of the time I, my experience as well is it's not according to plan. Nothing goes according to plan. I've never, I don't, I can't think of a single example right now where everything just went according to plan. So 
so anyway, that that's kind of where where I look at this, and and for those that are listening and thinking about you know whether or not things are going to work out for them, I I always just tell people focus on living with inspiration and purpose, and they will work out, and it'll be better than you you had planned. Yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly attest to the the value of building a life that's driven by the definition of success that is trained within us. And realizing that that leads absolutely nowhere. And if we don't have a mission and a purpose or a deeper why that we are connected to, then it just all feels empty no matter what it is that you accomplish. And spent the first at least 10 years, if not 15 years of my career in Hollywood, working towards the definition of success that was understood. I'm going to get the gold statues and I'm going to work on the biggest credits and the highest profile shows. And when I go to all the networking mixers, people are going to ooh and ah at all the things that I've done and I've accomplished. Um, and that's just what I'm supposed to do. And I was excited about that until I realized this is completely and totally pointless and this is not what I want. And I want a, a life that's driven by impact, right? So I, I want to be able to pay my bills and I want to be able to, you know, buy some cool stuff or take some nice trips, but it's not driven by materialism. For me, currency is impact. Like if, if money to me is the more money I can make, the more impact that I can create and the more of a difference that I can make. Um, and once that transition happened and that transition is still happening, cause it, as I'm sure you'll talk about more, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. Um, and it doesn't make your life easier. It just makes it easier to get through the hard stuff. Uh, and something that I teach my students all the time is I, I very much teach them how to plan. Here's how to time block. Here's how to, you know, create these bigger picture goals, break them down into smaller steps. And by the way, none of it's going to happen like this. None of it, right? You have right. to be prepared to be unprepared. So as soon as you're prepared, just be ready for it all to fall apart. That's where you need the tools and the skills to be able to manage life because it's never going to work out the way that you think it is. But as it sounds like you can attest to, it oftentimes works out better than the plan if you allow the plan to fall apart. And it sounds like that's something that you can relate to either, you know, in building story or in even what's happened in the last year or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I to that point, like I really thought I was creating story to, to help save other people's lives, really, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and I, I thought this was for everyone else. Um, I'm creating this valuable business for everyone else. And um, to sum up, you know, that misconception I had was when I was filming this documentary that we just had um, in a film festival. Uh, I'm in the middle of filming this documentary and something was happening. I could feel it. It was, it was brewing. And, um, and both, both from a physical standpoint, my health was doing really poorly, but just also kind of spiritually and mentally, uh, I was just feeling some momentum coming, something happening. And then my health really took a dive. And during that, uh, during that experience, I got a blood clot. I had a really high risk of a pulmonary embolism and, um, just felt, I felt like I was dying and I was telling my doctors, Hey, I don't, I don't feel so good. I feel like I'm dying. And when I got the blood clot, they thought, uh Oh, you know, we should have listened to this guy months before, because now he's got a blood related cancer or some other disease or syndrome that we, we don't understand or haven't found yet. So we better get serious about this. And I went down this long, lengthy path of, you know, doing what, you know, most people do, where you just go doctor after doctor and say, what's wrong with me? And I had nobody that, that I had a lot of doctors that, that gave up on me that just said, we don't know what's wrong. I remember one doctor, I went in there and I said, I'm not leaving until I get a, 
at least a diagnosis that we can chase after and, and go down that road. And he looks on his computer and he says, I think you have chronic fatigue syndrome. And I'm like, so you're just mm. telling me I'm tired and that's why I feel like I'm dying. I said, I, I don't think that's it. My gut told me it was something else. And I said, see you later. I'm going to go see somebody else. And even after I saw all these people, it wasn't until I was filming an interventional radiologist, this doctor that was working on this patient that we were filming a documentary on, that during the, the interview that I'm filming, I wasn't doing super well. And I kind of half jokingly said, during a break, I said, um, and it was, it was probably an hour, hour and a half into our interview, we needed to take a 15 minute break. I said, hey, you should try to figure me out. I'm kind of a medical mystery. And she got this really stern look on her face and she asked me a bunch of questions and I, I answered all of them. And she goes, I think you have this, 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 this. She just listed them all off. And I'm like, never heard of any of these syndromes um, that were, they're quite rare. And she goes, I, I do testing on all of these for a specialist here uh, in Utah where I, I live. And I was like, okay, lady, there's no way <laughs> you figured it out. And I just, I kind of dismissed it. And then that night she pulled up my medical records because she was in the same healthcare system as, as um, I, all my records were in. And uh, she emails me and said, I was right. You do have this problem with your kidney. You do have that. You likely have these other syndromes and they were all blood flow related. And it made total sense um, to me. I didn't like that answer because it meant I, I got something pretty, pretty, uh, rare, but also dangerous, um, if we didn't address it. But, uh, if I wouldn't have been doing that documentary, I always tell people, these are the dots that connected in that moment. If I wouldn't have been doing that doc documentary, we weren't even supposed to interview this interventional radiologist, but someone else recommended that we do for this doc. And I, the night before was like, hey, should we be spending our money and resources and time on this? <laughs> now I feel just ridiculous for even questioning that. And because I did that interview, because we did the documentary, because I knew um, Imagine Dragons is one of our clients, that's how I met the person we were doing the documentary on. And if I wouldn't have, um, I went on a church service mission and I went with this guy that was brothers with Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons, I had no idea at the time. And if I wouldn't have done that church service mission, I never would have been connected with Imagine Dragons. And then I just keep going back and back and I can connect 20 dots and I'm like, whoa, you know, this, this was me thinking I was starting another venture because I felt, you know, very purpose-driven and, and had a mission. But, but then, you know, when all was said and done, I'm like, it, it actually saved my life. Um, and I had that life-preserving surgery this last year, all because of all those dots that connected. And that's when I tell people all the time, if you're in alignment, that's when things work out for you. Um, Never according to plan, like you were saying, um, but but that's when they work out for you. Yeah, and I've I found the same thing as well. It's like when you use this term, when things are in alignment, it's when you when you see the purpose and the reasoning behind the actions that you're taking. It's not a matter of I'm going to time block the next six months of my life and I'm going to do all the time blocks. It's a matter of I understand how this two hour block or this one week goal or this three month project connects to the larger purpose. And I just has to assume all of it's going to completely go to crap and fall apart, but it's still moving towards that purpose or being in alignment with your work. 
And for many of the people that are listening today, I don't want to assume across the board, but I'm going to guess that a lot of people are listening don't have that alignment. They don't have that clarity of purpose. They are not connected to their why. And I know that because they reach out to me in droves by email every single day saying exactly that. So let's actually rewind before Sturry to your previous life, so to speak, where you too were in complete and total misalignment and didn't have the purpose, which then led you to say, I'm going to create a more purpose-driven business and career. Yeah, uh, really, my professional experience before Sturry was I, I was always an entrepreneur. I have been since I was a teenager. I wanted to run my own business and be in charge of my own destiny. And I had some stops in between these entrepreneurial adventures that I had uh, gone on where I worked for somebody else. And some of those were more entrepreneurial than others. Um, but I found in those situations that I, I truly still wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I needed to provide for my family a few times during that um, experience. And I had some really unfortunate things happen with um, a few of my businesses. And so I, I just, I just kind of said, all right, what's the next step for me? And, and kept taking that, that leap of faith into different, different things. And What's amazing is when I had sold my first business for like next to nothing, it was enough for me and my my wife to go on a trip to Hawaii and cry, you know, <laughs> that it didn't work out. And uh, I sold that business and I, I got a job to work for a film director um, to run his business, to be his, essentially his CEO, run the business side of it while he ran the creative side. And um, little did I know that that would turn into a, a passion of mine. And uh, less on the business side and more on the creative side is what ended up transpiring. But during that time, I just, I fell in love with film. I, I fell in love with the, the medium um, that allows you to touch people's hearts in a way that's better, oftentimes even better than in person. Um, when the music comes together, the edits come together, the, the cinematography comes together, all those, all those things came together. And I realized, I'm like, this is, this is such a tool to move people's emotions. The problem was I was doing commercial film work and that was 90% of our work and 10% of it was the, the moving stories and the, the things that actually made a difference. And um, I just felt that suck on my soul just every day. And I got worse and worse to where I felt like, you know, a, a dried up raisin, <laughs> you know, by the time I, I resigned from that position because we were just at the, the mercy of our clients all the time. And there were too many voices going into the creative process. And our, our staff was working right up until Christmas every year and wondering if they were going to, you know, have time off during Christmas and, you know, things like that. And I'm like, this is not, this is not what I wanted. Uh, it is what I signed up for, even though I didn't know what I was signing up for when I first got into it. But I'm like, there, there's nothing about this that makes me want to stay here long term. And so I left that position. Um, I had grown that company uh, really well. I had uh, grown my salary, grown my ability to buy a, a nice home and provide for my family. And, um, and none of that mattered all of a sudden, you know, providing for my family mattered, but that was the only thing. Everything else just kind of fell apart. And I just thought, what am I doing? And at the time, Verizon was uh, one of our, our big clients. And I remember thinking, I don't go home at night going, hey, that awesome commercial we made just sold more widgets for, for Verizon. <laughs> and I feel pretty good about the work I did today. I thought, none of this 
like, I just don't think it matters, you know? And uh, we were working with East Coast and, and West Coast clients, advertising agencies and, and large companies. And, and that was when I just thought, I, I don't know if I'm going to come back to film. Um, but while I was there, we worked on a, a feature length uh, film that won a bunch of uh, awards and got into a lot of festivals. And I was like, this is what I love, this type of film. And our director was very talented and created this heartfelt film that did really well. And I thought to myself, this is great. The only problem is this is only 10% of my time. <laughs> and, uh, and so I left it thinking, I don't, I don't think I'll ever come back to film because there's nothing that exists where you can do 100% of your time is dedicated towards film that matters. And so I left and long story short, I became a CEO of a healthcare company in Arizona. And that was not my mission and purpose, but it was a necessary step. And when that didn't work out, I actually spent uh, several months being unemployed and, and finding myself. And that I tell people all the time, that was the best experience I've had in my professional career uh, up until starting Sturry. Because uh, I actually got to sit and think. And, I, mm. and I, I wasn't working 50, 60, 70, even 80 hours a week at some of these jobs. And, and I finally got to free my soul and figure out what I was meant to do versus just what I was good at. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's no question that I want to dig deeper into this idea of the value of unemployment, because I know that's something that you emphasize. I emphasize as well. And certainly given everything that's going on in the current job market, just, you know, nationwide and the slowing economy and all industries cutting jobs, but specifically in the entertainment industry. Um, I don't know exactly when our interview is going to drop. I'm confident that I'm not going to say, ooh, the industry is slow. And somebody listens to this and like, well, how long ago did they record this? The industry's booming. I'm not worried about that problem right now. I want to put a put a pin in this just for a second, because I want to go back to this idea of perspective moments and you realizing that 10% of what I was doing is what I want to do and 90% wasn't. Um, and I want to kind of use this as a preview for us actually going through a workshopping exercise that is part of the process of helping people find their story, uh, which is me kind of interjecting what I, I have such a similar experience that I just I wanted to share it with you to see does does this kind of meet the criteria of this is what you call a perspective moment? Because there's a difference between I I made uh, my own documentary film. Uh, it was about a, the first quadriplegic with muscular dystrophy to become a licensed scuba diver. And the general story would be working as a high-level Hollywood film and television editor. And I decided that I was going to tell the story of my former friend who passed away because that's a story that needs to be told. Really enjoy the process. And now I've decided to pursue another path. Fairly interesting. But what there was one moment where I knew my life was going to going to completely change. And I want to break this down so we can help people understand that there's a way to take your own story and your own moments and shape them into storytelling. So the story that I tell people is that I was at a, a film festival, very small film festival called the Bakersfield Film Festival. Anybody that's been to Bakersfield, California knows that this is this is not a Sundance or a Toronto. It's a very local festival but it's specifically focused on films about disabilities or films made by people with disabilities. So it was largely the disability community, not just physical ones, mental ones, uh, people with autism or whatever the ailment might be. And I have a really hard time telling this story. Um, after my film was screened, 
I was marauded and deluged by people in tears, giving me one hug after another, saying, you have no idea the impact the story had on our life. Uh, and I said, this, this is life. This is the life that I want to create. It was that one moment. It wasn't, ooh, I like documentaries more than TV. It was, this is the life I want to create, is having as many of these moments as possible. Does that meet the criteria of being one of what you call your perspective moments? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, yeah, the way we define it is it's that moment where you see your story differently and you see the stories of others in the world around you differently. And that, so that moment, you just all of a sudden, you know, you saw your own story differently. And then you also saw the stories of the people that were giving you hugs differently and realizing the work you were doing was actually giving them perspective moments that would, that would be this ripple effect that changed the way they saw it their their own story and the stories of people around them and that's why they were giving you a hug because you gave them a life-changing experience and film can do that i mean that's what's so amazing is if you use your skills and your talents and your abilities and i'm sure you have so many listeners that have incredible talent um but they might be doing something where they're investing their talent into something that doesn't give that type of personal return once you actually invest in projects or a business or you know a company that that gives you that kind of personal return um i tell people it's it's an addiction and it's a really healthy addiction because every time you invest in those things it just it just comes right back to you and everybody around you so so that's a perfect perfect perspective moment that that really when we when we tell stories we dig those out of people and that's what makes our stories i i feel like so powerful is just that that key ingredient is get that perspective moment, create a safe place for somebody to, to share that. And that's your story. That's your mm -hmm. storyline. It's not all these. I mean, I haven't read any of these storytelling books or, you know, the art of storytelling, um, the science behind it. Sure. We're practicing some of the same principles, but at the end of the day, we just focus on creating that place that allow people to share those perspective moments. It's funny because I'm already thinking about if I'm going to create a top five playlist about storytelling, you're going to be in it with other artists talking about the art of storytelling. And literally, The Science of Storytelling is one of my episodes. The guy that wrote the book called The Science of Storytelling on the podcast, we'll put a link in the show notes, but coupling all of those together, like here are the world's foremost experts talking about story structure and from a neurological perspective, why are we so drawn to story? Why do we need it for survival? And then you coming in and saying, yeah, I don't know anything about story, but you know, I want to help people tell their stories. I just, I love the way that we can all be doing the same thing from very different perspectives. And Sorry. one of the, one of the areas that I focus with my students, which is so ironic is that it is literally our job, it is what we do for a living to tell other people's stories and to create those moments. So when people ask me what I do as an editor, I say, I create meaningful moments. And it's all very manipulative. I mean, if you're, and I don't say that in a bad way, but it's my job as an editor to know where your attention is every single frame and what you're feeling. If I don't know where your attention is or what you're feeling, I'm not doing my job and I wanna guide you on an emotional journey and I manufacture moments. Taking this one shot, whether it's a close-up versus a wide shot, and at this very moment, you pull the sound out and you bring the music up, that creates an emotional moment. That's what we do as filmmakers. But the ironic thing is, we suck at telling our own stories. 
I had a student just this week, and the the timing of this coming with this conversation is it's one of those things where there's some form of a hand or whatever it is. Everybody has their own various beliefs, but I don't believe that we're just all alone and there isn't some energy that we don't understand. But somebody said to me earlier this week when we were talking about structuring their story, just more in a networking setting, if you're going to go to one event and introduce yourself, they started with, well, you know, my story isn't nearly as interesting as yours. And I said, I'm going to stop you for a second. I guarantee your story is as good as mine. I'm just better at telling mine right now than you are. Everybody has an amazing story. And there's never been once that I've talked to somebody on this podcast that I wasn't fascinated by their life or their choices. Everybody has a story. They just are not good at telling it. And some of the worst are the ones that do it for a living for others. So essentially what I want to do is start to give storytellers frameworks to tell their own story. So that's why I brought up this idea of perspective moments and also this idea of we're all sitting at home unemployed. What can I do with my time that I can control? And I think that learning how to better structure and tell your story is a vital part of it. So with all of those pieces coming together, let's workshop. How do we help people tell their stories? You've got an entire book about it, but let's break it down to get people started and get motivated to number one, buy your book and number two, better tell their story. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I try to keep it simple. I'm a simple mind, you know, and that's probably why I don't dive into the science behind some of these things, because I'm just, I'm just looking at, I guess, the science um, of personal experience um, from seeing how people connect and, um, and seeing how you connect with yourself. And that's what I did during that time that I was unemployed is I finally figured out how to connect with myself. And I finally figured out what, what I call divine potential because it's, it's bigger than you. Um, and once you uncover that divine potential, all of a sudden you have this fire inside of you that doesn't go away. And I think most people um, have just that little flicker inside of them. And then it gets turned off because they go and work their day job, right? Or they go work, you know, or, or are in a bad relationship or whatever it is. They're going through difficult times and they don't invest in their own story. And, and like you said, they could be telling other people's stories, but for some reason, they're not using that level of introspection to, to find out what they're meant to do. And that feels, it feels too big oftentimes. And so people don't dive into that. They say, well, I must be meant to, you know, be an editor right now or a DP or um, a producer, whatever it is. Um, I'm, I'm meant to work at the, I had a neighbor that worked at the post office and he was like one of the happiest guys I've ever met. He found his calling. He, he was meant to do that. Was I meant to do that? Absolutely not. I, when I think about it, I think I'd be, if I had hair, I'd be pulling my hair out um, because that, that wouldn't feel fulfilling to me. But for him, he found his purpose and he found his meaning and he was happy. And so I, I think you have to take the time. That's the first step really in this process is you have to take the time to ask yourself the tough questions. Am I doing what I'm meant to do? Not just what I'm good or great at. And that, that one hurts. It should sting for some people listening because I asked myself that during this time of being unemployed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, for the last 10 years of my career, I've been doing things that I'm good or even great at, but I haven't been doing what I'm meant to do. Okay. Well, now that I answered no to that question. I'm not doing what I'm meant to do. What do I do next? And it felt like this hopeless feeling that was coupled by this. Oh, well, now I know what I'm supposed to do next is to figure that out. 
Um, and if I can figure that out, then I'm going to be in this state of alignment. And if I'm in a state of alignment, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm going to have this flame inside of me that carries me through, you know, whatever brick walls I got to run through. And as soon as I figured out what I was meant to do, I had to run through a lot of brick walls and uh, things were not easy, but was, what was awesome is I had the strength and the courage and the, you know, um, fortification and the bravery to go through whatever was next. And it was back to that flame because I felt like, ah, I know what I'm meant to do. I'm just going to go full steam ahead. So really, I would say the first thing you do, like in our book, we talk about creating a space for yourself to do that a quiet space. And we have these rules we live by that we say, look, if you're going to go through this experience, it's not just a book you read. It's a workbook. You have to create a safe space for yourself. that's quiet. It has no distractions. Um, to actually start to, you know, I believe it's communicating with God. Other people might believe that's energy or um, nature or whatever that is. You know what it is. You know what those feelings are that you're, you're going after those inspired feelings. Go find a place to do that. And you cannot do that if you have, you're always putting limits on your time and you're too busy for that. You're not going to just go, I'm going to go spend five minutes on my lunch break outside you know, if you're working in California and I'm going to go have lunch on the beach and I'm going to get my answer in 15 minutes while I eat my turkey sandwich. It, it doesn't work like that. Typically it could, but you've got to put in some consistent time. So maybe what you need to do is get out of your environment for 24 hours, 48 hours and go work on yourself. And if you're unemployed, you got plenty of time to do that. Go work on yourself because you're going to waste a lot of time searching for what you could do versus what you're meant to do if you're just going to go apply to a bunch of jobs. Um, you can still do that. You can still send your resume out. You can still apply to a bunch of different opportunities, but dedicate a majority of your time to figure out what you're meant to do. So that, that safe space, I always tell people, of, and that quiet space is the most, just the simplest, most important thing you can do to, to start that process. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a tilt 
problem at. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height-adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. Yeah, so the there's a lot of what you're talking about that I've actually, uh, again, I can help supplement all of the, the assumptions that you're making. I love the fact that you're like, I'm just going to come at this with a very, very simple process. And I'm the opposite. My biggest struggle is overcomplicating everything. And with my team, it's constantly them saying, what if, well, what if this were just simple? Let's look at this as if it were simple. So I feel like you, you can help fill a gap where uh, you're very strong at something and I'm very weak at something. But when it comes to digging in with some of the world's foremost experts and complicating all of this, the first thing I thought about is my conversation with Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, who's one of the leading experts in happiness, has actually created the first uh, master's program and being certified in the field of happiness and happy psychology. And he talks about this framework of you either have a job, you have a career, or you have your calling. And you're talking about how in kind of that that transitional period where you not only had a job, I mean, you were unemployed when you were done with it, but you were very gainfully employed with jobs and you actually were building a career, but you were not working your calling. And that's where the disconnect was. And the reason I think it's so important for people to consider this now is because we're in another version of a forced pause. To me, at least from my perspective, this feels like we're this is a repeat episode of the middle of 2020, where we all had this four sense of perspective. And as an entrepreneur who was just transitioning to starting to figure out how do I make a living doing what I'm doing, I thought, oh, I'm screwed. Like, there's no way I can make a, a, nobody's gonna pay me money for this stuff. And my business more than doubled in like nine months because everybody came to me saying, I have no idea what to do with my life. But when when the world goes back to normal, I don't wanna do what I was doing before. Help me find the, the meaning and the purpose and get my time together and meet the right people, all these things, which was people not connected to their calling. So I say all of that in a very long-winded way to emphasize what you said, which is, you have to hit the pause button and take the time to think about this. And right now in our industry, this is the involuntary pause button. This is the work to be doing. If you want to update the font choices on your resume, go ahead. You want to update your website? Sure. This is the real work that's going to lead to change in 10 years as opposed to I can get my next paycheck when you know the work comes back. So what I want to clarify in your process is that you kind of break it down similar to the filmmaking process, which is why I think it's so valuable to our uh, community because they know the vocabulary. And you have step one, which is uncover your story. You consider that pre-production. Now, the stepping away and giving yourself space, I kind of feel like that's in a way kind of sort of step zero. It's like, I just, I need to have the space. Now it's time to get into pre-production. So if we're in step one, pre-production, uncovering your story, what's kind of the, the brief overview or summarization of how I start to uncover my story? How can I make this easier? Yeah, I mean, it, it's all about asking yourself questions. Um, and what I discovered during that time when I was unemployed is I started to ask myself the right questions I'd never asked before. And I knew the answers where the answers would come after some reflection. And so really, this is a time for you to start asking 
those tough questions. But really, it's asking the questions that are necessary for you to, to discover yourself um, and understand yourself and your motivations and what matters to you, your, your morals, your moral compass, um, and documenting all of that stuff. Because like you said, most of us are not great storytellers for ourselves, even though we could be for other people. It's time to start asking those questions and documenting them and starting to formulate a plan versus saying, what's my plan? And I think that's what we all, we all want to do. We want to just say, okay, what are the next five steps I need to take to get a new job, find purpose or find my calling? And I, I say time out to that. Like just spend some time asking yourself questions the right questions, the ones that will start to really stir something within you. We, we called stories stories that stir for a reason because there's something in you that you can ignite um, and stir to start to uncover some of these answers. And I, I think that pause is really important. Like you said, the step zero, I like how you put that. And then the second step is just, let's give you some warm-up questions. Let's just, let's just get that, you know, your soul moving a little bit because most of us, if we're in this part of the process, our soul either got a little crushed or ignored um, or just hasn't been given the attention that it needs and you just need to wake it up. And that's really what the first part of the process is and uncovering those perspective moments, asking yourself the right questions. Stop worrying about getting all the answers yet. You know, that's, that's going to come if you just trust and, and get yourself into that space where you can trust yourself yourself to answer some tough questions as as both my students and my community can attest to and anybody that listens to the podcast they know how obsessed i am with the idea of asking yourself better questions because it leads to better answers and a better quality of life i actually yet again have another uh podcast uh, guest and author and expert his name is mark champagne had him on the show relatively recently and he wrote the book uh, personal socrates all about here are some great prompts and questions to help you better identify well, how can I be more connected with my life and my relationships and my purpose. So again, I feel like I'm going to, I just need to have a recording of me saying, I'm, I will put a link of this in the show notes because there's so much synergy and overlap of your interests and mine. Um, I know, I already know the answer to this question is it's all in the book, but for somebody that doesn't have the book in front of them yet, let's workshop what you think could be one or two actual questions that are part of step one pre-production uncovering your story. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to roll over here and grab my book because I want to I want to be thoughtful in that response. So one of them that came to mind is it's funny when you talk to people that haven't gone through this this process, they they forget how much of this is um, really simple. Um, and these questions are not that complicated. So it's, it's interesting when I transitioned from lots of different um, you know, opportunities throughout the course of my career. I never sat down and asked myself what my moral compass was. And that, that mm. sounds so silly. I, I, I had been raised on good Christian values and had really, you know, um, solid moral compass, but I never thought about, you know, what those things are and put them down on paper. So I would say that's one of them. And if that doesn't match up with what you're currently doing, you're out of alignment and you got to go find something that matches that, that moral compass. You know, one of the, one of the other things, here's a great, this, this is a good exercise for anybody that'll get things going. But um, have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and, and, and looked into your own eyes and just stared at yourself? It sounds really silly and it, and it feels silly to say it even to this day. But um, unless you've done that, I think you don't 
fully understand what's inside of you. Um, and so that's one of the things that I, I, we need to, we need to ask ourselves, what do you see when you actually look at yourself in the mirror? I'm not talking about what shirt you're wearing, you know, how your hair looks or your eye color, but actually, you know, look into your eyes and try to take a minute, minute to breathe and, and stare into your soul. And I know, like I said, it sounds funny. Um, and everybody's thinking, oh, do I got to go do this? That sounds kind of awkward. But when you do that um, and ask yourself, this is one of the first questions we ask is, what do you see? And I'm telling you, you're going to see something and it's going to be pretty powerful. And you're going you're gonna to have some of these perspective moments come to you and you get to write them down. So those are a couple of the questions I would say anybody could do right now. Even if you didn't buy my book, you could, you could go stare at yourself in the mirror for free, <laughs> you know, um, and, and write down what you see. And you're going to start to get some answers there. Doesn't only sound just a little bit funny and a little quirky. It sounds like it's kind of scary, too. Um, I think yeah. that's probably the reason we don't do it that often because we might see things that we didn't know that we were going to see or discover things that we didn't know that we were going to discover. Um, and I'll just I'll double down on your recommendation to not figure out what is your moral compass in the 15 minute break that you have between edit sessions. Uh, that one's going to take a little bit of time uh, and scanning through some of these questions. This is some heavy, heavy emotional lifting. Um, yeah. Like you, you just go right for the jugular. I mean, the here's wound. <laughs> Open it, knife, deeper, salt. It's like, what's your, what's your most painful memory and why? It's like, whoa, holy cow. Like you, you go deep, right? Yeah. So um, be before we dive right into step two, I still want to continue to dig a little bit deeper, uh, no pun intended, by the way, um, into really collecting what are some of these perspective moments and what are the things that define me, that define my journey. Uh, so as as we go through this further, how do we start to not only collect some of these things, but as the ideas start to pop up, how do we uh, eliminate all of the crazy voices that are saying, number one, uh, we don't have time for this crap. And number two, um, well, what if I have discovered this is what I meant to do, but well, I could never do it. But is is this really the thing? Like there's, there've got to be, my guess is that answering these questions leads to having more questions than answers oftentimes. So we're, we're not ready for to diving right into starting. Oh, well, you answered a few questions. So let's get to writing. We, we still got some more development work to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's super important. I mean, honestly, there's, we've had people, we've helped, I mean, hundreds of people through this process that we know of um, thousands of people have bought the book, but like there, there's, there's so many people we don't know their experiences. We haven't gotten all of that feedback, but I'll, I'll share with you some of the feedback I have gotten is step zero for some people is to just go sit with yourself. I <laughs> like that. That might be what you need to do to get this process going for yourself. You might just have to say, I'm going to leave one hour early from work this week and I'm going to go sit in the mountains on the beach, you know, in a park in my car, outside of my house, whatever it is, and just sit in the stillness. And so many people we've had to do that with while we're filming them. We say, we're going we're gonna to take you through an exercise to warm you up. And we're just going to just give you some opportunities to breathe for a second here with no expectation of coming to resolutions or answers to anything. You're just going to sit in that stillness. So if you're in that state, do that first. 
and do some deep breathing. I don't need to teach you about, you know, we do do some of these exercises with people where it is box breathing and all these other things, but look, you know how to take a deep breath. Just sit in your car for a minute and take a deep breath until you go through this, you know, this process. Um, so that, that might be for some people, other people, they come to us and they're just like, I'm ready. Like, let's, let's make this happen. I will answer whatever question you're going to give me. And, uh, I want to get to this point where I'm living with more purpose and I'm highly motivated to do so right now. Uh, let's do it. And then we've had people in between that are saying, I I'm depressed, but I'm willing and I'm here. Um, and so there's lots of people on that spectrum. And I would just say there is no, there is no wrong way to approach this, um, based on where you're at in your own story. If you're recently divorced and disappointed your relationship didn't work out, you might be a little different than somebody that's really happy in their, their career and, and feeling like, you know, they have great relationships in their life, regardless of where you're at on that spectrum. Um, the, one of the first things you got to do is not beat yourself up for where you're at. We're not talking about future state. We're not talking about past state. Don't beat yourself up for where you're at. Because here's the cool thing. You are exactly where you need to be right now. Because that means you're stepping into, if you're willing, you're stepping into where you need to be in the future. But right now, you're exactly where you need to be to discover what's next for your future. So I would say, I mean, to, to answer your question, start with where you're at. Don't start with where I'm at, where you're at. Start with where where all of these listeners are at currently in your journey. And that's that's the perfect place to start. Yeah. And once again, you and I are literally plagiarizing each other because uh, one, one of the, <laughs> the key principles of my entire program is that you have to be willing to run your own race. It has to yep. be about accepting that this is where I am now. Of all the things that I thought I was going to have achieved or would have in my life, Best time to plant that tree was 20 years ago. Sorry. Next best time to plant that tree is today. And don't worry about where everybody else is. Worry about where you are yourself. So again, you and I are completely and totally on the same page. Um, and there's, it doesn't matter again, like what spiritual background you have. There are just some spirit, there are some universal truths amongst so many of them, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or whatever, where the things that you say are just kind of universal to so many of those beliefs. And this idea of just taking a breath and sitting in the pause and sitting in the present monumentally important to this process and uh, couldn't agree with all of the things you said any more than I already do. So if we're going to go through and we're going to start collecting all of these perspective moments and all of these uh, kind of realizations of whether it's this big aha moment where it's like, I want, I want to surround myself with all these people that I can impact at this one film festival and I can duplicate and scale this um, to whatever the other perspective moments or introspections might be. At some point, it's got to be more than a bunch of random ideas in our head or scribbles on a paper or post-it notes or journaling process, whatever it might be. At some point, we probably actually have to start, I don't know, writing a script. So <laughs> how, how do we start making sense of all of the chaos that happens both emotionally and intellectually as you go through this process? Because man, is this process exhausting. Be ready. If you're going to buy this book and set aside an afternoon, you are severely limiting yourself and you're setting the wrong expectations. This takes a lot of work, but holy cow, is it worth it on the other end? But it's also confusing and overwhelming. So how do we start to put all that together to get a sense of what is my story? Yeah, I mean, 
I think when you say write your script without going through the first step, people think, oh my gosh, like they have this anxiety to just boiled up, you know, it's coming out um, and you can feel it in your chest. And that's how it was for me. When I asked myself that question, when I was unemployed, what am I meant to do? Oh man, that gave me, it gave me some anxiety, heartburn, made me feel depressed, <laughs> made me feel disappointed I had some feelings of shame. There's all these feelings that kind of welled up during that time. And that's what was so cool and why I preach this about perspective moments. I just started with one perspective moment and I wrote it down. I said, okay, let's look at this perspective moment that happened in my last job. Let's look at this perspective moment that happened when I had my first kid. And I started writing that, that down. And then the light bulb clicked and I'm like, oh, I'm writing my script. Like, that's all this is. This isn't me going, I have this hundreds of pages of my story and now I got to write a script for it. It's like, no, just spoil it down to those perspective moments and you'll start to see your script be written. And um, so speaking from personal experience that went going through this about um, seven and a half years ago, I started to realize that I, it wasn't that complicated. Just ask yourself the right questions answer them and let's start compiling, you know, those answers. So one of the things that I ask is what mistakes have you made? You know, this is part of the writing your script stage. So you've kind of warmed yourself up. You've answered a lot of these questions. Your mind is fresh enough um, that we, we did this order on purpose because a lot of these things were fresh on your mind. So on one side of the table, you have mistakes that you've made and you, you write them all down. And you're like, oh gosh, you know, I failed at this or I made this mistake or I ruined this relationship or I, whatever it was, big or small, you start writing those down. And then on the right side of the table, we put lessons learned. And this is where you get to look at that and go, oh, I actually did learn something from that. I, you know, ruined my relationship with my mother because she had these expectations and I chose a different path. That felt like a mistake at the time. And now I realize you know, I have the opportunity to heal that relationship with my mother because I discovered X, Y, Z throughout that experience of blazing my own trail. So you start to mistakes on this side and lessons you learned on this side. Once again, you're writing your script. Um, so I think oftentimes, especially in film, we feel like we've got to have these really expensive and intrusive and stressful <laughs> script writing sessions um, to get the story and in personal development and personal growth and, and helping yourself find your, what you're meant to do, take that stress off your shoulders and just start writing and answering these questions. And you'll see your, your script start to develop right in front of you. So what does this look like on a practical level? Um, we've gone through step one. We've gathered these perspective moments where we see our our perspective shift in some way. We've paused to reflect on so many of these kind of bigger life questions that are both bigger and deeper and some even terrifying to even look at the empty blank space on the, the blank space on the page and think, God, I don't I, I know what the answer is, but. I don't want to write it down, but you start to collect all of this and you're writing it, whether it's in the workbook for your book or it's a notebook or otherwise. Um, how do we actually start to turn it into a script, so to speak? Because um, we, we haven't even really got to what the end result would look like. And one of them can right. certainly be a, can be a stirry story. Um, but if I'm just going to do this on my own, um, how do I start to actually formulate this into a thing? Am I doing it in final draft and it looks like an episode of television? Am I writing giant paragraphs? Like, what am I actually doing? What, is it, what does the process look like? 
Yeah. So, so for me, it's, it's once again, it's going back to asking those questions um, and not overwhelming yourself with trying to write a, a thesis, you know, on your story. Um, it's about saying, okay, now that I understand these perspective moments, these experiences I've had, now I'm going to write down what I want. Um, what does your future state look like? So one of our questions we ask is, who, who lights you up? So you, you think about these people in your life that light you up, um, that support you. And all of a sudden that sparks these things like, oh, those people that light me up are people that have meaning and purpose. And you start to realize, oh, that's what I want. You know, what, what, uh, who do I spend time with, you know, is another thing that, that, uh, not only who lights you up, but who do I spend time with that, that's allowing me to just be me. You start answering questions about the people around you that support you. Another thing that we do is we start writing, you know, instead of just answering these questions, we start, we start talking about our dreams and our ambitions. And it's, it sounds so funny because so many of us, like, yeah, my dream is to do this. And what's, what's neat is when people go through this process, the dream changes in, in such a beautiful way. And because they've answered these questions about themselves, they may have thought, for example, I've heard a ton of people in film say, I want to be a director. And, and for whatever reason, it's like, that's the pinnacle of success if I become a director. And what's so interesting is I've watched people leave film and go do other stuff. And I've watched people come into film um, and kind of seeing that, that highway, that interchange go both ways because they thought they, in their mind, before they answered all these questions, they had it figured out what, what a future desired, happy, called to do state looks like. And as soon as they started asking, you know, these, these questions, they realized they have something way bigger and way better to offer the world. And it might be a completely different thing. So I, I had somebody I took through the process that was a firefighter. I think most people would say, that's so cool. That was his childhood dream. He's doing so much good. And he came to, he called, he called me on the phone. It's kind of a funny story. He called me on the phone and he said, after you took me through this process, he's like, I, I quit my job. And I was like, time out. You're married and you have kids. Did you talk to your spouse about this first? <laughs> I don't want, I don't want my name drug through the mud now. Cause I, you know, I, you just went and quit your job without talking to the, you know, one of the most important people, your partner. Right. He goes, no, I did. I did. I did. So I said, great. So you're a firefighter. You had a lot of purpose and you quit your job. Why? And he said, I realized that what I thought was my purpose was not my purpose. And I had something bigger to do. And that was to tell people about my experience trying to take my own life three different times. And while I'm a firefighter, I don't have that time to share that message. And it was just like, boom. Here's a guy that is now just mission driven. He's, he's going after that. He's providing his, for his family. Has he had some ups and downs? Yeah. He, he went through a divorce after that. He went through these experiences that were really, really tough, but he, he feels in alignment. Um, and it's because his, his perspective moments led to this desired state where he actually asked himself the next question, which was, what am I what am I dreaming of that I'm meant to do now that's different than when I started this process? So I think this is the time where you start to start to uncover and write down your future state after ask, asking yourself the questions. Don't do that before because you, that, your answer is going to change. 
Yeah, and the one of the processes that I take my students through that's uh, it's very similar. There, there's some really cool things that you're doing that um, I might even experiment with uh, it integrating. Uh, obviously, with your permission, of course. There's there's a lot of a lot of overlap, um, but I too agree that you have to you have to really start with digging into why it is that you want to do this thing. What is the the purpose? Uh, how do you get yourself in alignment? Um, but so often, what happens? Whether it's right after the pen hits the page or shortly after, it's oh my god, this would be my purpose. Oh, but I could never do that. It's like that's that's not for me. Other people accomplish that. They get they, there's so much doubt cast upon them that I've now discovered it, but I could never do it. I mean, this is crazy, right? right? So, but before we even get to actually producing your story and taking these ideas and these moments and writing them all down and turning it into an actual story, how do we get ourselves to believe that it's even possible? Because that to me seems to be one of the biggest barriers that I and my coaches uh, deal with the students that we have in my program. Yeah, I, I one of the things that was missing in my journey and my story was being proud of myself. You know, I, I talk a lot about that. Like I, I think oftentimes with shame and guilt and disappointment, um, we associate ourselves as failures. And we think that all these experiences that didn't work out weren't for our benefit and there wasn't a purpose to them. And so to get yourself to that point where you're proud of yourself, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of work, um, especially for somebody. I can speak to this because I grew up in a very, um, just a beautiful home with two parents that loved me, but expected so much of me. And, um, that, that continued on through my career and through my family. And those expectations were really high when they weren't met. I became less and less proud of myself or when things didn't work out, some of them not even in my control, I became less proud of myself. So one of the final, you know, uh, pieces that we, we have people go through before they move on to, to really starting to produce the story that they're creating for themselves is to write a positive note to yourself and tell yourself how proud you are of these, of these things that you've been through. Not just your accomplishments, but the things that you actually made it through, that you survived. Um, and, and so I think that's a critical part of our stories and, and writing our script and writing a better script and producing a better story is to actually go through and say, I'm proud of myself for my first business failing. My first business failed. I carried that debt for years. And I can never say to myself, oh, that was worth it until I went through this process. And I went, ah, I'm, I'm actually really blessed that that didn't work out because it led me to this, this, and this. Um, but I never realized that until I sat down and wrote those perspective notes. And then I suddenly became proud of myself for trying, for, for putting everything into my first business, even though it failed. And I started to recognize that my first business was once a cancer to me because I, I thought I failed at something and it, and it wasn't for my benefit. All of a sudden it became a blessing to me. And I used that story, that experience every day um, in my conversations with people to, to tell people that that it's not just a matter of being positive. I actually really bothers me when people say, yeah, you're a really positive person. And I'm like, no, I just, I've spent some time in the darkness, my friend. <laughs> I spent some time looking at all of these mistakes I've made and, and I've learned how to forgive myself, learned how to be proud of myself. And if that comes off as positivity, great. But what it is, is I'm just, I'm really secure in where I'm standing right now. Uh, because I've, I've done this work of asking myself these questions. So 
that would I would say that's the next step is is start to be proud of who you are and who you're becoming. And that will give you the motivation to become, take it to the next step and start to actually do the things that will will change your life. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Yeah, I think that that's fantastic advice, whether or not you're going through this three-step process or just trying to figure out how do I stay afloat in this giant mess that is life, which is being okay with the fact that you're human and you're going to make mistakes. Um, And I've really reshaped my perspective from, again, this idea of I need to define myself by success as defined by society, as defined by whether it's family or an industry or peers or whatever it might be. Um, but not only working towards a definition of my own success, but being okay with defining myself by failure. Because I used to, I remember I call myself a recovering perfectionist, valedictorian of my high school, top 5% in University of Michigan. Those were all things that defined me. And I realized I'd never learned how to deal with failure because I refused to do things that would lead me to failure because I had to be defined by success. And what I found when, because I've I've basically made it, uh, I've made a living now in doing nothing but failing constantly and talking about and sharing those failures. And boy, do I like, I love my life so much more because it's surrounded with nothing but failure. But when people will ask, especially when they're kind of on that precipice of, I want to do something that's scary. I want to do something that's uncomfortable. I see my purpose, but I have all these doubts about doing it. How do you deal with all this failure? I said, it's not failure. They're just lessons. And the, the difference for me, and it all comes back to storytelling, I think right now I'm writing my story and whatever this failure was, I can either say, well, that story is over and I failed or man, this is going to be a good story when I succeed, right? So the, one of the stories that my audience knows, but I'll give you the briefest version so you have some context. I decided about five and a half years ago, vastly out of shape award-winning dad bod, really overweight, really depressed and burned out. I'm going to become an American Ninja Warrior. That would be fun. Spent the last five and a half years doing that. And by my definition, I have failed because I have not achieved the goal, which is that I want to be able to run through the course successfully. I want to have the featured story and I want to inspire others. 
in that sense, I'm a failure. And the two times that I failed on the course after, you know, some initial frustration and whatnot, it was, man, this is going to make the story so much better. But it's, it's, it's reframing it that way is really, really difficult when you've been trained to only chase after success. So I say all of that just to just emphasize how important, as you said, it is to not only embrace those failures, like you said, mistakes versus lessons, but say, that was okay. It's okay that I did that. And that's all part of the experience uh, and give yourself permission to, to be proud of what you took from it. So um, just so much alignment and all the things that we're, we're talking about. I've just, I've, I've, my concern is that we're only an hour and 15 minutes into this and I've gotten through about 10% of the, the notes and the conversations I want to have. So we could do this for hours, but in order to, to make sure we can close uh, this specific loop and I can get you out on time to, to get you to your next meeting, Third step of this is that we now need to take all of the information that we've captured and we've written down um, and done some writing, but we actually have to produce it. So not only what does it mean to produce your story, but what's an example of an end result we're going to get from this? Do I just have a, a paragraph that I put in my back pocket to walk around with? Do I have this giant poster? Like what, how do we both produce all the information we're putting together, but what does it actually look like? How do I make it useful in the world? Yeah, I mean, one of the just a, a real easy takeaway would be we call them billboard moments, you know, um, and, and we ask our storytellers that when we film them and people that go through this process have the opportunity to we have this, you know, you'll see with the, the book, the way that it's designed is we actually we want to keep it light and fun because this is a tough process, right? You're asking yourself, like you said earlier, some really tough questions. And, um, and so one of the things that we ask people is tell what's your billboard either moment or what matters most to you. If you had an opportunity to throw that on the highway and say, this is, this is Dan Davis and this, what Matt, this is what matters most to me. And it's hard to ask that question at the very beginning of this process. Like you got to go through some really deep stuff to get to that point. Um, and your answer is going to change most likely. Um, and sometimes it doesn't. And that's great, too, because you're just confirming what you've discovered through your perspective moments throughout your whole life. Um, but just writing that down and telling people what matters most to you, it could be something you keep in your pocket. It could be something that you memorize to say, look, for a long time, I thought this mattered most to me, but this is what matters most to me. It's being in alignment with God. It's being in alignment with my career and being able to do something meaningful that benefits not just my family, but but all the other humans on this planet. That's what matters most to me. And when you actually put that billboard statement up on paper, it's pretty cool to watch because suddenly you're, you're reminding yourself of that as you make decisions um, and you're writing a different story for yourself. And that's the whole goal. That's why step three in our process is called produce, produce the story you want to tell, right? Not the story that you thought you wanted to tell, not the story that others wanted you to tell, the story you want to tell. And that comes from putting all these perspective moments that you've discovered by answering all these questions at the very end to say, this is what matters to me most. This is what would bring me happiness. Um, I mean, those are all part of the experience of really defining what you're called to do, what you're meant to do versus what you thought you were meant to do or what you thought you were, um, your experience would, would give you. And, and really, it's just compiling that all together to say, I get it. All these perspective moments collectively mean that I have, I have, I have purpose, and here's my purpose.
Mm. Yeah. So the, this idea of purpose or like you said, uh, whatever your calling is, even if it's not a matter of, well, when I'm done with all of this, I'm going to produce a 15 minute documentary short about myself and I know right. what all the beats are going to be. And I know the music choices and I know how to structure because I have this worksheet. I mean, what we're going to get to in a second, what you actually do, I want to make sure people understand the services that story provides and how it fits into this. But not everybody walks away with a 15 minute documentary short on YouTube. It's probably not the best right. fit for them. But knowing your why is what I believe is the foundational component for being able to set boundaries in your life. If you don't know what your goals are and you don't know why you're doing them, it is so much easier to fill your life with the busyness. And like you said, you have to pause to do this process. But whenever I have students that come to me that say, well, I've got this opportunity and it sounds really good or my, my gut says this other opportunity, I don't know if I should take it. Well, I ask them, well, just kind of on a more superficial level, well, what are some of your goals? Sometimes they can't even answer that. But if they have the more superficial defined by society's um, version of success and goals, well, you know, I want to be able to, to make it into the editor's chair. I want to direct my first feature and they're going to pay me this much or that much. And I just ask a question that stops them dead in their tracks. I say, okay, why? Oh, I, I guess I don't know. Well, then how do you know what's a good opportunity versus a bad opportunity if you're not connected with your calling and your purpose? And everybody thinks, well, my, my calling is that I, I need to be a, a director of, of action movies and I need to, you know, get the house in the Hollywood Hills. And that could be part of it. But what does that serve? And you might find that your calling or your purpose is served by directing a movie. It can also be served by writing a book. It can also be served by volunteering for charity. All of them are different versions of achieving the same objective. But until you connect with that calling or that purpose... You, you don't know what is a yes or what is a no or how to set boundaries. So I'm, I'm glad that you provide such an important and useful framework so people can in these three simple steps, right? Simple and easy are two very different things, but in three relatively simple steps, they walk away and have a sense of, oh, this, this is why I do what I do. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated by all this. And I don't know if you're, are you familiar with David Mead or familiar with Simon Sinek, uh, the book, Find Your Why? Sure. That's yeah. so why I, I did a conversation with uh, David Mead, who co-wrote Find Your Why with Simon Sinek, who's a huge, you know, A-list thought leader and expert and author uh, that has the book Start With Why. And I think that to me, this is just an accompaniment or a deeper dive into a, a very similar process, which is, like you said, how do, how do I align myself with what's meaningful in my work, which is essentially having gone through the process myself, I've realized I want to facilitate that process for others, just like you do. Um, which then leads me to kind of the the next question, which is, what is it that you actually do at Story, and how does this process facilitate it? Like, you you actually have resources to help people do this beyond just the book. So now we come to yeah. the question that many would ask at the beginning. I waited until the end. What is Story? Yeah, I mean, we we have decided that we're not we're not going to build a company that is a a production house, a gun for hire great stories um do we have a production arm absolutely you can see all of our films we've done over 250 we'll do another 50 this year 60 probably um and we have great cinematography great stories that people you know, that we tell stories on but really it's the framework um, that we use that is very non-traditional storytelling um but it's there's a lot of science behind it but we're not focusing on this perfect story arc um, I think that is important for a lot of 
you know, especially scripted content. What we do is not scripted. Um, it's, it's very unscripted. Uh, and we take people through these processes where we ask them the same questions that we have in our book. We're asking them on set um, to people. And so we create films based on that. And we use the answers to those questions to fill in the B, with the, the B-roll and supporting footage um, to make these stories shine and that emotion shine. So really, we're just getting people to uncover those perspective moments and we're putting them on film. So we do that for individuals. Uh, we do that for nonprofits. We do that for businesses that want to tell a better story. And, you know, one of our producers that we first hired said, we're just really good at making people cry. And I, and at first I, I took a little bit of offense to that. I'm like, we're, we're great storytellers. We're not just people that make people cry. Um, but I think what, what she meant by that is we're good. We're great. I think we're best in the world at world class at helping people feel emotion, uncover that and unpack that emotion and portray it in a way that allows the person on the other side to have a, a soul stirring experience. Um, and if they can do that, then we've changed their perspective forever. And so that's our goal with every piece of content. It's not, can we win this award? Can we get this many views on YouTube? It's, we have people have this life-changing experience by watching one of our films. So we have our films and then we have, uh, we're actually creating two technologies right now. One of them is a distribution platform for all of our films and also curated content that um, will do the same, that'll stir your soul. And then we have a, a third thing that we're doing that's a technology that allows people to go through this experience without us sitting in the room with them and interviewing them and capturing their own story and getting it to us to put the story touch on it and then sending it right back to that storyteller um, versus, like I said, this, these big productions that we do on people's stories. So those are the three things we, we do. Um, and all of it comes back to just the simple perspective moments. That's the process we take people through is really we're just great at asking questions that stir your soul and get you to, to think about life differently. Yeah. So my guess is that it's not a coincidence, given that everybody says, well, we're really good at making people cry, uh, that you decided one of your goals is become to become the cleanup, Kleenex brand of this type of emotionally inspiring storytelling and wanting to become a household name. So um, it, was it a coincidence that you decided that you wanted to be uh, this Kleenex brand of uh, type of film? I, I'm guessing not. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that came to mind, you know, in the very first year of Sturry, I was like, we want to be a household name. What's a household name? And I'm like, Kleenex. We want people to be grabbing the tissues <laughs> um, when they're watching a Sturry film. And we want people to use the word story synonymously with Sturry when it comes to these, you know, stirring stories that we produce. We want people to say, I want to tell my story. And what's been cool over the last couple of years is actually when people reach out to us, they say, it's, it's time for me to tell my story. They don't even use the word story. Mm -hmm. Or I want my story done. Um, businesses say that. We want you to come and do story stories for us. Not just stories, not just ads, not just these other things, but we need a story story. And so we're, we're not a household name yet. We recognize that. It's an ambitious goal, mm -hmm. um, but we're going to fight like hell to, to make sure that it's in every home across the country on everybody's phones. Um, they can experience one of these stories so that they can have these perspective moments wherever they're at in life, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, um, be able to have that kind of experience um, and hopefully grab a tissue because it's changed your 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 spirit, your soul in some way. 
Yeah, well, given all of that, uh, for anybody that wants to dive deeper, the most important question of the entire conversation, and it is the shameless self-promotion portion of today's conversation, if I've listened to this and I want to go through the exercises in the book, if I want to hire you to create my story story or otherwise, where can people find you? No, thanks for asking. And I appreciate you, you doing that for the folks listening. So if you just go to story.com, you can't miss it. It will say buy the book um, and go there. And, and once again, it's a workbook. So you're not going to listen to it on Audible. Um, you're going to actually have to sit down and go through the experience. But that's where you can find it on story.com. And it's S-T-I-R-Y.com. I love it. Well, uh, I have a feeling that this is going to be the very beginning of a much, much longer conversation offline between the two of us. Who knows? Maybe it becomes a part two of a podcast at some point. Uh, but at least for this moment, I want to make sure to, to thank you for the time and all of the value and all of the inspiration that you brought to both me and uh, my listeners and my viewers and cannot thank you enough for saying, you know what? This 90 minutes of my life is valuable and I'm going to be intentional for this conversation. So cannot thank you enough, Dan. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the thoughtful questions and allowing me to be who I am and, and share what I believe. And, and uh, I hope it res resonated with folks and, and they have some life-changing experiences uh, through this. So thank you for your, your experience that you provided me today. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.